0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. After the service, if you weren't here at the beginning to hear this opportunity, um, up here are these cards, and they have names on them. I picked up a name here, and um, we'll be praying for this la- Last couple years, I, I said out loud the card's name that I brought up, and then that made that kid nervous all week that the pastor was praying for him, so they didn't want to do that this time, um, but please do that. Also, I want to encourage you, this just, um, I know Lauren and her team have been asking for people to pray for this week um, for many weeks, but I just on the way over here, This morning, I wanted to encourage you if you would set your clock or your clock, sorry, set your alarm on your phone uh, or whatever to like 12 o'clock, noon ish every day. Just as a reminder, please pray that the Lord would protect and watch over every foot and hand and mind and ears and eyes and soul that comes onto this campus this week so that the enemy would be moved away, just a little prayer, it took 15 seconds just to say that, so just would you pray um, every week, uh, I mean every day this week and join me in praying for that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, and we are in the midst of this parable, this hard saying of Jesus, and we're Walking through the book of Luke, again, we are back at it, and we find ourselves beginning with this parable. I want to read the parable again. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you've already read this with us, but I'm going to read it again. We're going to read verse 4 through verse 14 out of the ESV. Uh, in front of you is a copy of the CSV version of the Bible, And if you don't have a copy of the Word of God and you don't want to use your phone or computer for your copy of the Word of God, I'm good with that. Just take that Bible with you and that could be yours. Um, But Luke chapter 8, verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow a seed as he sowed some fell among the path along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it some fell unto the good soil and it grew and it yielded a hundredfold and he said these things and he called out he who has ears to hear So that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. The verse 14 And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is the word of the Lord. This illustration is about the desires of the heart to hear and to have God. It's Jesus' teaching about true conversion, the, the seed is God's message. It is the word of God. That's what it represents. And the message does not change. It does not change no matter where it is broadcast to, whether it's along the path, whether it's along the rocks, whether it's along the the thorny or the good soil. The seed is the seed. It is the message. The message is the message. The truth of God's word is the truth of God's word. The word of God is the word of God. It is not to be tweaked, adjusted, softened, Transitioned, deconstructed, or changed for any person, for any season, for any reason, for any generation. The seed, it's the word of God. It is what it is, and it's going to be cast where it's cast. The sower is the one speaking or spreading the word of God. It's the one casting it out. And in this parable, likely Jesus is referring to himself. And although we know that there are other sowers of the word of God that come after Jesus... The broadcaster here, Jesus, we should say, just take the moment just to say this, Jesus, like the word of God, is unchanging. We should note that Jesus does not change. Like the word, his word does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He doesn't transition. He doesn't transform, deconstruct. He doesn't evolve with generations. He doesn't come into some sort of scientific discovery and learn a different way to do ministry to whomever. Jesus is the same for every season, for every reason, for every generation and every age group. Then we have the soil. Seed, the sower, and the soil. And the soil is what the parable is really about. It's about the conditions of the heart and the soil. However, the other two don't change. The soil changes. The soil is different and it the soil must adjust to the work of the seed and the message of the sower. Every generation has different types of soil mixed in it. There's not a, it, this isn't a generational passage. it's in an era of time passage. This isn't like, okay, the hard pan was for the people then and now we're all the way and we're at this arrive time where we're good soil. No, we see in our day Probably in this room, there are people with hard hearts, people with rocky soil and thorny soil and good soil. This is an important parable about the conditions of our heart, the condition of our hearts. Our, as hearers of the word, when we get into this parable, what we should be doing in these three weeks, four weeks or so, we should be asking this question Is this me? As we explore, we should be asking in this parable, in regards to hearing the word of God, we should be asking, am I indifferent and hardened to the word of God? Am I impulsive but shallow to the word of God? Am I preoccupied and anxious when it comes to the word of God? Am I receptive and responsive to the word of God? Where where are we in this? I encourage you to join me in praying every time you come to God's word and read God's word, something like what we read in Psalm 139, which says, this is a heart cry prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any Grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In fact, that should be our prayer every time we come to the Word of God. And you might have to cheat like I do and put that very prayer right here at the beginning of your Word of God. So before you even go have your quiet time and get into your reading plan, you have to look and be reminded to even ask God that before you turn in and start to dive into His Word. It is the prayer, search me, try me, lead me into an everlasting way. I want you to lead me, God, into something that's going to last. What I'm about to read, let it stick, let it plant, and let it grow to everlasting. So the last couple weeks, here's what we looked at. If you've not joined us, here's a little snapshot of the two soils we have already looked at. First, we looked at the hard soil, which is the indifferent, the hard heart. This is, person who hears the word but doesn't really listen with the intent to be changed by the word. They won't submit to the word. They hear it, but it's more like, I hear you, but I don't really care enough about it to apply what you're saying to my life. Or what the word is saying, what the Bible's teaching doesn't really fix every single thing on this moment in my life, so I'm just going to reject all of it altogether. It's kind of this approach of, whatever, preacher, that's nothing new than what was said 2,000 years. That's nothing new than what was said. Give me something new. The word's old. This is the indifferent heart. If this is you, I want to warn you, as we have warned when we went through this, that there is a strong chance, a likely chance that you are not saved from your sins. You are rejecting the sower. You're rejecting his word. You're rejecting the very message that leads to faith, that saves you from your sins. You're rejecting it, so there's, no matter what your actions are, no matter what you've even said with your mouth, if your heart rejects Christ and his word, then you will get exactly that for eternity, the rejection of God. And so the warning is, Ask God to soften your heart, to give you ears to hear. Then we came to the rocky soil last week. This is the impulsive, the shallow heart. This is the questions we should be asking about this is, am I a person who applauds much, but I don't apply much? Am I like, yeah, that's good. All right, on with my own life. Wow, I like the way that sounds. Oh, he can really teach. Man, can she sing? Wow, that was a cool experience. But there's no application as you move forward. Do I enjoy and celebrate at the beginning, but when times are really trying me, pushing me, challenging me, am I quick to desert and flee? Do I want to follow Jesus for the feels and for the experience, or do I really want to take up a cross, actually deny myself and follow him. The person who's got a heart amongst the rocky soil will not deny himself these things, will not take up a cross and follow. If this is you, then this parable is a message of warning for you that you should have no assurance that salvation is yours. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. Even those who have done a lot of good things most of their life, we're going to get to that parable later in Luke, it says that there will be a day where he says to you, depart from me, I do not know you. Is the word of God sinking deeply in where it's changing you in your life and you're seeing the fruit of it? So that moves us to today, and you're maybe thinking, wow, I'm glad I wasn't here those two weeks uh, whoo, let's get into the good news. Well, first, the good news. The good news is that I think this next soil encapsulates a lot of us in the Western culture church. So the good news is that you're not alone here. The bad news is there are thorns possibly choking out the good news in your life. The thorny soil is the preoccupied life. It's the tangled heart. It's the overly anxious heart. Let's look at it in verse 7. We see as it's introduced, some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it. It meaning the seed. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. As Jesus explained it in verse 14, he says, As for what fell among the thorns... They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, the riches, the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So, what I want us to do today, I want us to look at the thorny weeds that might be in our life, the thorny weeds that have affected our lives in some way, and again, I want you to ask with me, is this me, is there a tendency for this to be my heart situation when I come to the word of God? What I want us to do is look at what types of thorny weeds or some just some realities and truths about these thorny weeds and then the effect that they have on us. Thorny weeds, thorny weeds, okay? It sounds weird, you probably don't talk like that. When you go to kill weeds in your yard, The people who heard Jesus' illustration here would understand in that region there were these prickly kind of weeds that were useless. They didn't offer anything, but yet they were harmful to the process of cultivating crops. They would understand when they heard Jesus talk about the thorns. It wasn't just like thorns that are part of a flower. It's like actually a thorn system. Um, Thorns like thorny brambles, these briars, these these aggressive type weeds that were moving in and out and choking out, cultivating the cultivation that they, they were trying to grow. There are many types of thorny briars, aren't there? Many types of brambles and weeds that we should consider for this illustration. The first one I want us to understand is that there are thorny weeds. The first truth about these that we need to understand, that there are thorny weeds and these weeds can be poisonous corruptors. These thorns, these weeds, are, are poisonous and they corrupt. Here's some examples. The hogweed, you might know it as the heracleum or, heric, or rock, whatever Anyway, there's long words with all these weeds. So, good Texans, we just call it the hogweed. You ever seen a hogweed? So, the hogweed has some sap in it that when it touches the skin and that is exposed to sunlight, it creates um, an irritation of the skin that disrupts the, the wholeness and the health of the skin. If it gets into the eyes, it provides uh, it produces this painful blindness that comes. There's a type of cultural weed that when we expose ourselves to it, it comes in and starts to corrupt and close out the vision. When we go to God's word, that our our vision for God's word, we can't even see it. It's like hogweed that gets in there. And whether we know the pain or not, we're going to feel the effects of not having God's word in us because the hogweed of some thorny sin in our life, thorny things in our life have corrupted the way we see it. How many of you know about Texas bull nettle? Anybody? Wow. Praise God that more of you don't know about this. I did not know that it was a poisonous plant, actually. In fact, um, the berries and the seeds aren't necessarily poisonous, but we come for the berries and we leave with the poison that when it hits us, there's a type of a poison attached to the, the the vine of it that that actually hurts us it sounds like so many temptations that we allow in our life it it looks good it's fun to look at it's maybe fun to taste and bring in but small injections of poison are seeping into our body into our life and it's creating an unhealthy spiritual life the the Texas bull nettle is it's something that we come for the berries and look at, but we get into it and we're leaving with the poison of it. Then there's the pokeweed. You know about this? I'm going to read from what this description of the pokeweed is, and it's like I'm reading about our culture. Check it out. This absolutely fast-growing plant is native to the eastern United States, but can be seen in most states, including Texas. Isn't that interesting how they singled out Texas with that. Pokeweed can be found growing in open fields, fence rows, and any disturbed area of soil. So anything where there's action, activity, the pokeweed is seen. It's like it almost like those birds that we looked at a few weeks, oh, there's activity there, the pokeweed finds itself, it gets in there. It goes on. It can easily outcompete any other plant it is near. This plant has large green leaves and produces dark berries in the fall, but don't worry about not being able to spot out this beast. Its incredible height will make it stand out. Every part of the pokeweed is poisonous, including the berries. In our cultures, in our culture, sorry, in our world, we can see the thorns, can't we? Sometimes they're as noticeable to us as pokeweed, like, like, it, like there's no doubting, that's sin, that's a problem, that's going to corrupt my life, that's going to be something that's going to crowd out, push out the truth of God's word in my life. It's going to overcome and dominate the truth and the beauty of God's word. We see this happening in our culture, don't we? We are just maybe afraid to call it out for what it is. The poison has outgrown what is beautiful, that it's even transformed what we call beautiful. The effect of our culture is like that of the poke we taken over. What should be not called beautiful art, we call beautiful art. How else do you describe the rampant use and the protection of pornography if we don't call it free speech and art? That's how it's protected. It is an art. This pornography, this, all of this stuff with all of these labels and all these indexes is free speech. It's it's like this poquie. It's just dominating our language. How else do we dedicate a whole month and dare people say it's not beautiful dare people say it's not artistic expression of God's beauty in fact the whole idea of Mago dei is corrupted by thorny pokeweed type sinful culture crowding out what is reserved for true beauty of the image of God the berries may look nice, the flower might look pretty, they might even be enjoyable, it might even be overwhelming in taste, but it's corrupting our lives with the poison of it. They corrupt what is good, what is pure. I wonder if we've welcomed any of these poisonous corruptors into our life, or at what level have we invited it into our homes, into our family life? These thorny weeds that are choking out God's word. Second thing about these thorny weeds I want us to understand is that not only are they poisonous corruptors, they can be stranglers and chokers. I introduced to you the wisteria weed. You know that weed? Many circling vines that tightly wrap themselves around tree trunks. Think about that. Vines wrapping around tree trunks. These are older, proven tree trunks that are still getting thorny weeds wrapped around it and choking out the life, suffocating the tree, killing it from producing the fruit that it's supposed to do. No matter how old The tree trunk is, it can still have the wisteria weeds eventually get to it. This is a reminder that no matter how old we are, how young we are, that there are these thorny weeds that can come at us and choke out the word of God. Third thing about thorny weeds, we need to understand is that thorny thorns, these weeds are difficult to remove. One commentator on this parable says this: even the most careful, diligent, Plowing could not always remove all of the weeds' roots. The result was a soil that looked good when the farmer sowed the seed, but the tragic reality was that there was other life within it. The noxious weed grew faster than the good plants grew, blocking out the sunlight and consuming all the water and the nutrients from the soil, which resulted in the choking out of the life of the plant. These weeds give the appearance of passive pests that are just kind of there that we should ignore or we shouldn't have, but they're not. They're a, they have an aggressive agenda from the enemy of truth, and it is to choke out the very truth of God's word. Do you have addictive habits of entertainment and worldliness that gets the best moments of your day when you wake up in the morning and instead of the sunlight and the water and the nurturing of God's word getting in you do you reach for something else like we all do often here's my phone here's the tv here's the news here's old school here's the paper first Next thing you know, there's these things creeping in and starting to choke out, and maybe we'll get to the Word of God. But we've got to now get the Word of God weeding through all the stuff we've already put in us. These weeds are hard to remove from our life. So we fall for it again and again and again. Why do we do this? Because thorns, these weeds, can be attractive. We want them. There's a craving. These thorny brambles are hard to remove because they can be enjoyable. They can be attractive. We don't understand the poisons getting in or that there's something choking us out. So through all of our devices and all of our media, we kind of just hang out with it because we justify it saying, well, we got to have it and we got to have it for this day and we got to look at it and we got to be relevant so we hold on to them like these berries and these flowers that we feel like we got to have. We're just getting choked out. Fifth thing is that thorns, we notice here in this parable that the thorns grow up with the seed. Did you notice that, in verse 7? When he talks about it, he says, Some fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it. Grew up with it. The thorns grew up with it and choked it out. They may not be seen. It may not be that obvious. But what we do know about weeds and thorns and these habits of sin and worldliness in our life is they will grow up as we grow up. There's a pace to it. The more we keep letting it in, the more it just keeps advancing on us. So whether it's poisonous corruptors that we allow in our lives, whether it's strangling chokers that are coming into our life whether it's the thorny weeds that we just can't let go of that that we love so much that are growing up with us Jesus presents this parable as a warning I want you to hear the truth I don't want these thorns in your life there's I don't want you to be choked out by this and he even presents the effects of these weeds in our life simply put haven't gotten it a, enough already? The effects of these weeds, they choke out life. I don't know about you, but for me, as I've been preparing for this and been thinking about the habits and the patterns in my life, I've I can't get those words out of my life, out of my mind whenever I start to turn this on or watch this or do this. Like, is this choking? Is this, is this, is there something choking? Am I taking in something that's choking out the word of God? I think that's good. I mean, it's a reminder that Jesus would want me to to not put anything in my life that's choking it out. And So we see here in verse 14 three ways that these thorns choke out the word of God. Verse 14, we see it. Let's look at it. But as they go on their way, they are choked out. Sorry, my microphone keeps. They are choked out by the cares, by the riches, by the pleasures of life. Let's take them one at a time. We're going to go out of order. These weeds choke out, choke us out by riches. I really like the metaphor here of the thorns and the deception of wealth. It's so easy to point out in others a life that we think that they're being corrupted by wealth. We think, well, they have money, so they must be corrupted. That's not what this is saying. It's ultimately about competing treasures. The pursuit of and the priority of riches in our life is like thorns that is choking out the truth of God's word. We know what the pursuit of riches looks like, don't we? You don't have to have a lot of money to be pursuing riches. In fact, sometimes it's the not having that makes us want it all the more. I got to have this. I need to have more of this They got this. I need to try to get that. Why do they have this and I don't have that? This doesn't work out. I need to do this. So I'm going to forego what God's telling me to do here because I got to have more of this. I got to get more of this. To me, this is like the wisteria weed that we just talked about. Let us accumulate and accumulate and go and go and go and get and get and get. And this materialism and this anxiety that goes along with it just is strangling us. Before we know it, decades go by and we look back and say, how did we get down over here? I lost all these opportunities to have this treasure of God's word in me and in my family. Now I've got kids that are launching into treasure-seeking their whole life. Eventually we feel less dependent on God and his promises and more dependent on stuff. We stop his kingdom being first. Instead, we start our day thinking our kingdom is the most important thing to build. This is how we are choked out by riches. We're going to look at in several weeks Luke 12. We're going to look again in Luke 18. But in Luke 6, we see an oracle, a pronouncement of Christ, which we know as an oracle of woe. And one of those is this, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who pursue riches. Woe to you who, that's your goal, is to get rich, to get wealthy. Okay, in this kingdom, you got it. But you're forsaking the kingdom of God to get your own kingdom. riches and then in Luke 12 we're going to see where Jesus says where your treasure is there your heart is also it is about your heart it's about what you're pursuing and one of the things the weeds does is it, it it reveals to us that I got a heart for money and stuff and materialism and provision more than I do have a heart for God's kingdom Have you ever considered if your pursuit of or your priority for worldly treasures is working against your growth in God? It's working against your materialism that has a stranglehold on how and when you look at God's word and apply it? Perhaps the thorn of riches is choking out this in your life. In Timothy, Paul writes, those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation. He doesn't say the desire to be rich is a sin. He says the desire of rich comes with a temptation that we can fall into, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It goes on to say, for the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, not wealth, not riches. It's the love of it. It's the craving. Goes on to say, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I like the analogy, the piercing, the thorns of the riches because we love and pursue wealth. It's not just worldly treasures that choke out our spiritual growth. It's it's the worldly pleasures. It's not just the treasures. It's the pleasures. In verse 14, we see that we are also choked out by the pleasures of life. Just as wealth and riches are about competing treasures, these thorns reveal competing pleasures in our life. The pursuit of and the friendship with worldliness. We see this. I know I see this on the devices that I have, on the stuff I accumulate, what I want to entertain myself with. I see in my life and sometimes in, in where I have to look and see, oh, that's a thorn. That's something that's choking this out. It's like hogweed and bull nettle. I like the bury it, but I'm getting poisoned by the intake of it. But I like it. It's a powerful draw. It's, a, it's alluring. I won't flood our time with statistics about phone usage versus Bible usage. But I want to encourage you to pick up the book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. and It was written years ago. It's a reminder, and I'm not saying that we should, okay, let's all, okay, let's be different at grace and go throw our phones away. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we got to be watchful and careful that the pleasures we get from our phone isn't robbing us from the pleasures that we can get from God's Word. Just do a budget of your, here's how much I'm on the phone, here's how much I'm in meditating on God's Word. A love for this world will corrupt the way we look at the word of God and apply it in our life. Let's, let me give you an example of how this can be like poke weed, where we know what it is, we see it a mile away, but it still comes and creeps in on us. Before we do that, I just want to say at age 51, I'm still surprised by two things. First of all, I'm surprised, surprised that I'm surprised by this, but I'm still so surprised how worldly the Christian church has grown to be. Here's an example. Daniel's gonna put up on the screen, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, and it couldn't be more plain, but let's read it. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, how do you apply that? The thorny, soil typed heart would rather dissect that passage of Scripture instead of applying that passage of Scripture. The thorny soil of life wants to do this kind of work with the text. You keep looking at the text, but here's the way it's interpreted in churches all across our land. Something like this. Do not do some of the things that sinners do. In fact, love the sinners. We need to instead educate ourselves. We need to evolve and learn how to tolerate some ugly parts of the stained stuff in our lives. We need to accept it because it's us, and it's beautiful. The desires of our flesh and our eyes and the pride of life, well, that's how God made us. So we should embrace it, and we should help others embrace it. We should encourage them to embrace that in them. Whoever loves and welcomes all kinds of people, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in their life, that's the will of God. And we should do that for all people. Do you have a tendency to somehow take that very clear message in 1 John chapter 2 and put those kind of twists on it in some way? It's pretty clear. But the thorny-souled heart wants to twist them and malign the word of God so we can adjust it to our day so that we can be accepted. And all across our land, churches are afraid to do that because they don't want to be canceled. They don't want people to leave their church and, and worldliness comes into our congregations. Alistair Begg once said this. One of the great shames, I believe, about the present environment in relation to the direction in which so much is going, is to suggest that we will tolerate, that Christ will tolerate in the 20th century, what he never would have tolerated in the first century. Namely, a great gang of folks, this deep, this committed, this phenomenally indifferent, largely superficial, hanging out in his pack. That was 1991. Oh, how much different it is even today. Do we think that Jesus would tolerate things today that he did not tolerate when he was alive? The word doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. No matter what the thorns want to do and choke out. Thirdly, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but we see that it is choked out, that the weeds choke out, the word by the cares of this world. What I want to encourage you to do is not only is there a competing treasure and competing pleasures, there's competing focus and trust. What do you trust in your life? Do you trust the way you feel? Do you trust the anxieties, what you worry about, what concerns you? Or are you going to God's word and saying whatever God's word says, what we just saying, I'm going to build my life. Earlier I said there's two things that still surprise me at age 51. The first one I told you is that the church continues to be so corrupted by the world and allows it. The second thing that still surprises me at age 51 is how much weeding and roundup is needed in my own life. When I look at this text and I think about the weeds and the thorns and the poisonous stranglers and the berries and the flowers that I let crawl into my family and into my life. I say, God, what do I do? So where is our hope in this, right? I mean, if if you're like me and you're looking at this like, okay, I got to own this. Are there riches and materialism? Is there worldliness and entertainment? Are there worries and cares that are preoccupying my mind so much that I don't even... Get the word of God into my life to application. Well, remember this about this parable. Jesus is giving it to his followers. He says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus is teaching this for our good. He is wanting conviction to settle in. He is wanting us to get out the pliers and get the thorns out of the way. He's wanting us to seek him with an open heart submitting him, and here's how I am applying it as we look at it. I'm asking the Lord that He would always make Himself to be better in my eyes than the weeds. I'm asking. That, I would, that he would help me remember from God's word and through the church and the testimony of the church that there's victory in Christ. I'm asking him with every Lord's Supper to remember that his body took care of it, that his blood has covered me, and so I don't have to wear the, 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 pad, the badge of addict or this. I can wear the badge that says redeemed. I've done it. I've paid for it. And then I can sing with the church the great joy and the great promise that we believe, oh God, you will hold me fast. You're gonna hold me forever. Is that your heart? You could just pray with me right now. Lord, help me get the thorns out of my family. Help them to get out of my life. Show me what needs to go. And not like the rocky soil, You do it with joy, with energy, with excitement, with help from others. Let's ask him to show us how to do this. Holy God, you are good. We sing about it. We want to live in the world knowing that you are sovereign and you are good. And we also, God, need you to till the soil of our heart. Where there is a dead heart in this room, I pray, oh God, right now you would give it breath and you'd give it life and that that you would remove whatever's in the way of us hearing and doing the word of God. Show us where materialism is choking out the beauty and the truth of God's word in our ministries and our lives. Show us where the fun things that we let into our life is is slowly but surely poisoning us. And show us, O Lord, where we are anxious, preoccupied and worried that we would just lay them at your feet and remembering that you are holding us forever. Do this work, O Lord, I beg you and I pray in Jesus' name.